in the idyllic wealthy suburb of Clear Lake City, Texas, was a NASA employee and father, and a mother battling her inner demons. Oh no, Andrea, baby, what is you doing? Welcome to What Did You Do, Andy? <laughs> hey, this is Charnel. Was that Southern? Is, I, it sounds like a parody, like a caricaturized Southern accent. I mean, which is one I do all the time. But that's more like antebellum South. That's that sounds more like Mississippi. Um, I, know, like, I don't know all the different parts. <laughs> Alabama, Georgia. That's probably more Georgia Bell actually oh, than okay. it is like yeah. I don't know if like again it just happened. It's and fun. then, yeah. <laughs> but this is, in fact, what did you do? We are back with episode twenty-four, uh, and this is—it's feel. I don't know why it feels like it's been like a month since we've like sat down and done this. I don't feel like that at all. I feel like it has for me. Like I think it's because <laughs> like we did Jeffrey Dahmer back to back, and then like the two weeks passed. I still <laughs> need then... another week to cleanse from Jeffrey Dahmer. Like... <sighs> I don't even. And you know what's funny is I don't feel like we did Jeffrey justice. Like, I... Yeah, <laughs> like, he's definitely one that probably needed, like, four episodes. Right. Like, I feel like we tried to do it in two, and there should have been more conversation well, about that. I mean, that. there's going to be, like, so much more to talk about as far as what he did. Right. I think one day we'll just throw, like, a bonus episode on the timeline. Like, <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer Reloaded. Just make throw it, it on Make the... it a Patreon. I don't know. But then... I don't, I don't want to make it a Patreon. I'd rather just give it away, because yeah. the other ones are free. And why, yeah. why withhold information behind a paywall? But it's, um... We're back, and I am healthier. Um, I am, you know, well-ish. Yeah. I'm on the right meds for my tummy issues, so I'm That's living great. my best life right now. How are you doing? You? I am cold. Uh, winter is here, and it's not fall. You can't tell me any differently. It's We're in the Northeast, and it went from, like, summer to winter, and I'm freezing. Yeah, I refuse to turn on my heat, so you're going to suck My up. autoimmune disease does not like it. I am crying. Are you trying to make me feel time. bad? That might because it's still. <laughs> He's trying to go. No, we haven't. Oh, it's no, still we'll... not getting turned on. So <laughs> I don't care how bad your autoimmune disease is. So <laughs> this is co-host abuse. This is document co- this. This is, this is exactly what it is. You knew what you were signing up for. No, so we have some things to get out of the way. Obviously, guys, you know my favorite thing to do: clean up housekeeping. So I'm gonna shout out to our new patrons. We've got uh, Catherine Mason. Shout out to you, girl. Cat uh, Martin. Hey, Great. Kat. Love you. Thank you for that. And Catherine Kinney. Another Catherine. Oh, yeah. I know there's like seven cats <laughs> listening to our podcast, which is funny to me. I also want to shout out uh, Sasha Mitchell. Hey, uh, Sasha. She's from Birmingham, England. Uh, she'd reached out to us asking us, like, if we're going to do more cases outside the U.S. And D actually pointed out to me that we, in fact, did Canada, Luca. Yes. Uh, and and Juana. we did Juana Barasa in, in Mexico. Mexico. But we're going to so, go across the pond. Soon. Yeah, we're going to go across the pond very soon. One of them is actually in England. Yes. Dum, dum, dum. Yes. So we're really excited about that. We've got some plans for you guys. Um, the other thing, the exciting thing is that we have a website. Yeah. We've got a fucking website. You now. can learn about us. Yeah. So exciting. You can see our faces. <laughs> right? If you The faces behind the mic. If you don't follow us on Instagram or Twitter, if you're one of those people that don't have social media for that reason, <laughs> and you just listen to us, because I feel like that's a lot of you guys. Um, you if you follow my Instagram, like. you see my face all the time. Right. right. You, I face. post once every three months. <laughs> I post once every week. Maybe if more than more that. that. <laughs> I think you post more than that. I've seen your face I'm regularly. Gorgeous. 
But other than that, guys, there's no more housekeeping. So if you guys want to get involved, uh, if you want to, if you want to support us in, in another way, like I said, with the Patreon, you can do that. Uh, there's really cool rewards, like stickers. There's some t-shirts that are going out. Um, we're setting up live, um, Skype calls. Yeah, we gotta um, get ready for that. I know. So we, like, so you can chat with us, ask us about cases. Give me, let me, please. And, like, <laughs> I'm trying happening. to do, like, the background noises to get them to do it. It's throwing, like, I hear it and it's just throwing <laughs> me off. And <laughs> I don't even know where I was anymore. There's t-shirts, live things. Uh, yeah. And, you know, we might even throw in something like you guys pick an episode, like, I don't know, once every cycle. I don't know what a cycle would entail, but this is fun. So this is fun. Whatever. So we're here now. Recycle? You, I don't know, bitch. I was like thinking, I was thinking terms like school. <laughs> Once every full cycle of the moon. Once every two months would be a cycle, I think, for full me. Full cycle of the moon. But we are here and we are talking about someone who is prefacing this. She definitely has, there are some demons, uh, some mental health issues, some environmental factors that are kind of... Uh, uh, stressful. I'm to trying say the not least. to be problematic. Try, try hard. <laughs> um, but no, this this case is definitely one that's very mental health heavy. Yes. Um, the crimes themselves aren't incredibly gory. We or... needed a break from Dahmer. She needed a break from Dahmer. <laughs> I was like watching gory things all. It's Halloween time. Like I'm watching bloodied. I don't like horror. Halloween. Like I love B movies, so there's a lot of blood yeah. slasher film things. Yeah. Uh, so we did take a step back uh, for this episode. So you want to you wanna kick us off? Well, this week we're going back to everyone's favorite state. And listen, this is something that you guys have to rectify with the people and citizens of your state. But we're here again in Texas. Texas does it to itself. I, I, I mean, like, I, I'm just going to start with my preferences get, that. Like, before we even get started, first of all, I forgot where Houston was. No, I'm just, <laughs> no. Before we even get started, this is not us... <laughs> we all have to beating up on Texas. You know, Texas always gets so offended. Texas and Florida, right? And we're oh. in both states this time. We're gonna visit both states. Texas and, and Florida always. So like that's so, not. My I mean, fault. it's not our fault. Just talk to your citizens and not figure out that. what's going on. Yeah, I'm like, I'm whatever. It's Texas. Thank you. I've been to Texas. You got a great barbecue. Uh, that's all I can say. But so something there, happens in Texas. Something happened. 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 Yes. <laughs> On June 20th, 2001, Rusty Yates leaves for work. He actually was working at NASA. Uppity, uppity. Um, fancy. Fancy. And he leaves for work, uh, leaving his wife alone with the kids, Andrea. They had five children, so he was going to have his mom come in and help Andrea. But something a little bit different happens this morning, and things don't go as planned. And they never do when you're talking about true crime. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> nope. ever happens the nope. way it's supposed to. <laughs> So, yeah, on that morning, the Houston Police Department received a cryptic 911 call from Andrea. Yeah. Uh, the dispatcher asked repeatedly uh, what the emergency was, and would only she'd only get the answer that she, that this woman really needs someone to come right now. Right. And what I want to do is I do want to insert the audio from the 911 call right about here. So you could hear how there was like no emotion in her voice during that phone call. Right. 
And it was, she was kind of monotone, kind of just like not bothered, not really moved. And she wasn't hysterical like you would expect uh, for when you learn the upcoming information. Uh, but she asked, if you didn't catch it, the dispatcher asked, are you having a disturbance? Are you, are you ill? And that, that was Andrea, an understatement. That's right. what that was. <laughs> and Andrew's response was, yes, I'm ill. <laughs> like <laughs> a lot of self-awareness here. Right. Uh, and so now we've got, now we've got something going here. She calls her husband Rusty and Rusty. says he needs to come home now. And he asks, well, is something wrong with the children? To which she replies, yes. And he says, which one? Which one? And she says, all of them. All them little ones. And so finally, the Houston police arrive at the house asking what the emergency was. And they see Andrea. She got very calm. Uh, the word I think that was used was composed. Mm-hmm. Um, and where she says, yeah, I killed five, my five children. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh. <laughs> and what did the cops see? Yeah. So and, and as they explore the home looking for these for these children, they find their seven-year-old son, Noah, floating in the bathtub and the other kids luke paul john in her bedroom with her six-month-old baby mary in john's arms in bed tucked inside so clearly something went terribly wrong and like we said things did not go as planned um and so we're gonna just try to figure out how did we get here we have all these babies laying in bed dead and noah in the bathtub yeah, so obviously, this is not the morning that everybody thought was going to happen. So, not at all. and I think that a lot of people right now have in their mind. So, like, are you going to tell us how this happened? <laughs> and the truth <laughs> is, there are a lot of things that happened to make this happen. Right, and we have to go back and go through them to get to how we got these babies right. in this condition. Because Andrea has a history. Quite um, a history, not such a violent history, right? But a history nonetheless. And and to really understand what brings us to this kind of tragic climactic point, you have to understand all the things that took us here. Because our goal, obviously, is to have those conversations about like what happens when mental health goes untreated, all these things. So take us back in time, D. Take us back to uh (laughs) We're gonna go way, (laughs) way way back. Back in time. (laughs) So Andrea was born on July 2nd, 1964 in Halesville, Texas. She was the youngest of five children. So, I mean, she was used to a big family. Um, her- Catholic families. So that's, I think that's the, <laughs> that's the, the Catholic families were big. Big, great. She was, um, her mom was named Jada, Jada, Judah, Judah. Uh, she was a German immigrant and her dad was Andrew Kennedy, uh, he was an immigrant of Ireland. Yeah, this is not, never mind. <laughs> not going to get into it. It's not so the time. So her parents were immigrants. So growing up, she was described by her friend as a perfectionist. Um, she didn't date much in high school, like most kids did, but she graduated. I didn't date much in high school. I mean. I mean, not- I did a lot of other things in high school. I didn't date. <laughs> Sorry. You're nasty. You're like, I wasn't that nasty. Yeah, no. I was, I was. What were you doing? What were you doing? My own business. <laughs> I was I was exploring who I was and what I wanted. A whole lot of exploring. Uh, don't try to don't try to whole, like <laughs> slut shame me. No Sixteen, fifteen year old Charnel was just living his best life or trying to while in a closet somewhere. Exploring essentially exploring Narnia is what I was doing. <laughs> Narnia. Well, you know who wasn't doing that, Andrea? She was too busy becoming valedictorian. 
Well, hey, my grades were good, God damn. I just, you could be a... What are you trying to say? Closeted Korean people can't get good grades? Fuck you. Just, wow. You know what? This is why I don't talk on the show, because it becomes this. But Probably. not only she was a valedictorian, she was captain of the swim team. Ew. And an officer for the National Honor Society. During her teenage Dope. years, they didn't say anything about too much trouble with her, but she did suffer from bulimia during her teenage year. Also, a little bit de- of depressions. And her friends say that she spoke about suicide a little bit. Yeah, and I think it's important to talk about the effects of like an eating disorder and things like that on people. Because I, I had an ex who, who struggled uh, mightily uh, with an eating disorder. And eating disorders aren't those things that go away. Either they, you don't there. just yeah you don't just get healed or cured from an eating disorder, um, so for that like there's a lot of things that go into eating disorders so like there's a lot of secrecy a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. that comes with it so you pretty much get used to kind of holding things to yourself and the one once you open that door to that it opens the door to other things and then people want to start exploring that so what are the stressors in your life what's triggering these things where did right. it start and andrea was never the type if you're a busy person if you're if you're too busy trying to find an other identity like a valedictorian or a right. swim captain you don't want people to know those things right. about you that's Be- why you're these other things and as a matter of fact you know when you're so much of a perfectionist too this may be a trigger for it too, or it doesn't help the fact that you're a perfectionist and you have this perfectionist mentality because mm-hmm. you're chasing the idea of the par- perfect body and stuff like that. That really affects the disease. So, yeah. and you don't want, like, I mean, it goes into the issue of like co occurring disorders and all that stuff that gets, right. like, it's. <sighs> <laughs> I actually used to work at a treatment center that treated um, girls with a. Uh, eating disorders so it was it was intense you, i mean part of it I mean, we're gonna yeah we're gonna talk about like how it you know obviously touches on your confidence your self-esteem mm-hmm. in relationships and things like that but also why you might be more susceptible to dating someone when you're not in a place that you should be and <laughs> <laughs> so no right. sorry go ahead <laughs> but after this she graduates and she goes to a two-year program for nursing she's an um, associate's good for you girl yes yeah, so you, you you go the cheap route the, the route i should have went you know, spend all that money of the four I years. Mean, what are you going to do? You can't do social work with an associate's degree. No, <laughs> but like, you go in and you like do the core classes at a, a, a two year college. The problem with that is that everything transfers. That's the problem. True. You got to find a sister school that's going to take everything. Everything, right. And so that's the limit. So you done did 60 credits, but the next school only takes 40 of them. Yeah. Now you got to take another year of classes. So you're in school for five years. <laughs> so it's just like, it's weird. Well, it was a different time back then. Oh, I'm just saying. <laughs> it probably was easier. And she did that at the University of Houston. And then she went to the University of Texas for nursing. Yeah, Kevin so Durant's she, alma mater. So she, why do you know that? Because I'm a basketball fan. I don't, but. He's not even alma mater. He didn't graduate. He went to the <laughs> NBA. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. Um, after that, I guess she was ready to date. Her friends say she was ready to date. Um, and she kind of started dating. Well, but not really. Well, she was out here. She was making money now. Yes. Remember, she got her BSN, so she's out here just exploring life, and she's living on her own, and mm-hmm. like spending money, eating out, mm-hmm. <laughs> dining out, whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, nasty. Right, and then she meets. <laughs> she meets Russell. Rus- Russell. Russell. <laughs> I call him Rusty. His name is Rusty. But Rusty. I didn't even know his name was Russell. 
I like this whole time BT does. I thought his name no, was Rusty. His name is Rusty. I messed up. Is what I'm saying. Are you I drunk? know, but are you drunk? No, but it, no. His his name is Russell. <laughs> he was born Russell, but his nickname is Rusty. Everyone called him. This Rusty. bitch has been Rusty this entire time for me. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. His name is Rusty, but he met Russell Rusty Yates. Yes. In the summer of '89, which is a lot of love and went down. Yes. In the summer of he saw her swimming and was absolutely fascinated by her but didn't talk to her she made the first move that's because they lived in the same apartment complex like there this is space opportunity he wasn't like walking by a pool and was like damn like they he had to see her he saw her all the time (laughs) he wasn't a creep right so a little bit about rusty he went to school and while at auburn university which is the school that he went to charles barkley went to you see i knew (laughs) you know what continue i'm sorry (laughs) Hashtag mask for man. He met um, Michael. I don't know how to say his name. War Warren Nikki. Warren Nikki. He is a fanatical Christian preacher, um, to say the least. Right. That's he his was... descriptor. He gets no more space for me because he's trash. Well, yes. They said he was a fire and brimstone <laughs> preacher. Turner Burns make me sick. And Rusty was sort of a fan, sort of a follower. So, you know, after he met Andrea, they moved together. Shortly, and they married on April 17th, 1993. Yes. And she started to listen to Michael Warnicki as well. Mm. They started to, you know, follow the teaching. But you know what happens after marriage? Well, look, let's take a step back because fucking religion, man. So, like, <laughs> I... You can speak to me this more than I can. I don't even understand fire and brimstone. Because people don't, under, people don't understand what happens. Like I said, Andrea's been dealing with a lot of identity issues and right. a lot of self-esteem issues. And so one of the things that people will do, like a lot of times we can both speak to this, is you look for a place to belong. And religion allows right. us a space and to identify with a larger thing. Absolutely. And I think it was Reza Aslan. I want to get his name right. He's like a CNN cor- uh, correspondent and all these things. He's also really handsome. Um, <laughs> he is really good looking. And he's also really smart. Mm-hmm. But he has said that your religion is based on who you are as a person. So if you are an angry person, your Christianity is going to be angry. Your Islam is going to be angry. Your Buddhism right. is going to be angry. Gonna if be you're a kind, side. compassionate person, then your religion is going to reflect that. Mm-hmm. Michael fuck. <laughs> I guess he got more not, space from you. <laughs> he is angry. <laughs> and so, like, that's what he's preaching. He's one of those Turner Burn preachers. Mm-hmm. And so, like, she fits into that because she's got this black and white kind of idea of what life is. Like, I'm right. this, this is that. And I just hate the way religion yeah. affects and, and, we could affects say that, and infects right. college we, students, younger people dealing with mental illness. It doesn't they matter. prey on college students, too. Oh, they that's, that's your, that's your malleable time. That's when you're thinking the most about things. And so... That's what they did. Um, and I guess Rusty was the first one. And then Andrea. Andrea, to me, was always impressionable where that, you know, she 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 was a little bit, and her friend says this in the documentary I was watching, she was a people pleaser. She wanted yeah, to please people. That's why she was such the perfectionist. And this will carry over into this religion totally trying to, you know, fit in. And when we say Michael was angry, Michael was the one who was like, everyone's a sinner. You cannot do enough not to be a singer. Like he was very much. Well, I mean, I get that. Like, there's know, nothing. I mean, as a no, Christian, no, but like <laughs> mad about. Like, you no, know, yeah. There's, there's a. It's a. It's language. It's vocabulary. It's context. Right. I think in the context of Christianity, like you everyone is a sinner. Right. And we're born into it. 
and there's nothing you can do that you that can make you worthy of the sacrifice. Which is of Jesus. true, but he's definitely more like punitive but about he it. He thinks, yeah, he thinks that he knows what how to define God's love and how to get it. And, that's and what God wants, which I, I realize people have a tendency of trying to name what God wants, but only he could say it. So I mean, you could talk about uh, the Westboro Baptist Church. This is not what we're doing. Um, <laughs> but you're right. So let's move on because it's absolutely true. Right. So remember, this is the mind frame, and this is the mind frame where she's you know coming into her own she's married now and now it's time for her to go into motherhood yeah when you get married especially if you ain't been getting it getting it and now you get married you can get it get it all you want uh and let me believe, let me tell you oh they was fucking fucking they were they were they were they were they were getting they were getting getting there's it. no way in the world you got this many <laughs> and they wanted to have as much babies as nature would allow yeah they took the whole biblical be fruitful multiply garden of eden conversation Literally. And those are my least favorite people. Stop having <laughs> There's no reason you got six of you in line at Walmart. <laughs> but go ahead. Right. So on February 1994, their first um, child, uh, Noah, was born. I love that name. I'm so cold. <laughs> That's all right. And so Andrea became a stay-at-home mom after that. Um, and then, you know, she... She had a couple more sons after that. We right. were going to meet Paul. We're going to meet Paul. John. She had in 97. Luke, she had in 99. So she was just getting them back to back to back. Yeah. Um, and at some point. See, this is also the other thing that we have to talk about is that she just kind of went along with Rusty. Rusty just did shit. Mm-hmm. And so when he had to move to go to Florida for six months, he put their shit in, in storage and they moved down <laughs> in Florida. And. <laughs> They ended up living in this like motor home. Right. This was also part of the Michael Warnicky type of, they wanted you to live minimally as well. So we got to keep in mind, Rusty was working for NASA. He had the finances to get a small apartment, even if they're not right. going they, into- They had the finances to probably purchase a home. Right. And instead, they decided to go into this trailer because part of Warnicky's whole thing was living minimally. Yeah, I like I couldn't. I mean, I live pretty minimally. You know what my apartment looks I, like. You have a, but you have a like you weren't on wheels. I know, but the point is, <laughs> I like I like to live with that as little as possible too. Yeah. And so this is he's they they did this and they moved to Florida and then they realized that they don't really need all the stuff that they had. And right. so, <laughs> well, Nikki, this Christian man sold them this Greyhound bus. That was the next. <laughs> and I. Okay, and they converted this bus into a motorhome. Now, at this time, she has four children. Four this kids in a motorhome. Nineteen ninety nine, her fourth kid, Luke, was born, and they're in a motorhome. And things start to go south for um, Angie, and this is where we talk about the mental health piece. Now, we all know, or most of us, or some of us know, about postpartum depression. It's the yes. depression that happens after you have a child. Um, it happens to many women out there, and um, it's little people don't really talk about it. But you, you know, sometimes when you have a kid, you welcome the baby. You're happy the baby is around, and postpartum maybe looks like you are starting to have regrets. You're a little bit more depressed. Um, you don't have the same joyous feelings that some mothers do, and that's okay. And that, right, that's absolutely fine. I think just to kind of piggyback off that, because mm-hmm. um, my sister dealt with this. Mm-hmm. Like she was, I was, I was very protective of my niece. Mm-hmm. 
So that way my sister didn't have to be, if that makes sense. Because right. my sister was, she looked, my, there was times where I thought my sister just didn't, didn't want my niece. And I was right. like, and it wasn't that. So mm-hmm. it doesn't make you a terrible person. No. Um, if you're feeling overwhelmed, it doesn't make you a terrible person. If everybody else like Charnel is super excited about having his niece here, but you're not all the time, especially if you're the one breastfeeding and staying up all night. Um, and if you notice yourself having symptoms like, uh, what is, like anxiety, uh, irritability, mood swings, um, appetite issues, when we already know that Andrea already struggles with eating disorders, like all these things that are kind of, um, going together. If you notice that you're having these after you give birth, it's probably the best that you talk to your doctor as soon as possible, just because they get the treatment you need, whether that be just counseling or a combination of counseling and medication, just so that way you can get back to like loving your baby in the best way possible. That way your bond is a little bit healthier. Um, that's just me. I don't know. I'm not a mom. I could never be a mom, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess there's a way I could. Um, but I was like, I won't. <laughs> but, but you're right. So she was she was dealing with all these things. And, and she actually, I mean, she states that she started to feel that kind of depression actually during her second child. Yeah. But didn't say anything because remember, Andrea wants to be a perfectionist. So it's not in her too. nature. Like, and on the outside looking in, everyone saw her as an amazing mother. But true. by Luke. She was, she was overwhelmed. She was, she Again, was. four kids. Four kids on a bus. On a bus. And so I, she had, and she had to say, I remember. So she, cause I didn't, I, w- I was there. No, she, uh, she calls Rusty at work mm-hmm. uh, in June of 99 saying that she's feels overwhelmed. She's super anxious. She's like, I need you to come home now. And when he comes home to, you know, console her to help, she says, I need help. Finally says, this is something I need because I am not functioning mm-hmm. He well. found her literally like shaking and chewing on her fingers when he got home. Yeah. And this woman, like she's only, we're only going farther down this Remember, hole. she's a stay-at-home mom. And let's talk about stay-at-home motherhood for one second. There is not a lot of communication with the outside world unless you have a good system of mothers who are there right. and like play dates and or stuff. Or siblings who are coming through to help or right. hang out. If you, if you don't have other stay-at-home moms or like... Right. <laughs> You don't have, yeah, you don't have the communication you would have at work. And remember, she was a working woman and she opted to, to, right, to stay home and in a bus. I don't think she had the opportunity to make the connections with other mothers. So, I mean, if I was a housewife, where are you going to invite? And somebody was like, oh my God, this is Andrea. And I'm like, oh my God, hi, Andrea, how are you? Oh my God, your babies are so precious. And they're like, yeah, where do you live? You're like, I'm actually in that corner over there. (laughs) And that, 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 Red and black bus over there. The, bitch, the bus? Oh, no, my kids can't play with your kids. <laughs> like, so, yeah, I mean, that causes more alienation because it wasn't the norm. Right. Like, I um, would I would not let my kids play with somebody who lived in a bus. I'm sorry. Like, that sounds shady. But if, you're, if, you're, if your parents of this kid are willingly living in a bus and they could afford something else, no thank you. I don't need that. So, when Rusty finds her, he takes her to the beach. This is what he does. <laughs> he packs up the kids and takes her to the beach. That day. Um, I don't know how to give Russell Rusty credit, Rusty Russell credit, because um, he is not a mental health professional. He doesn't understand things. It was, I don't know. He's also, he know. also, when he's a, let's talk about, he's a, he's a computer program designer, so he has got this very cerebral analytical mindset. It's not nuanced in the way that other people are. That's why we're social scientists. There, like he is not. He's I a guess. scientist. I, <laughs> so I like, guess. and so for him, he's just like, "What do I do when I want to calm down? I go to the fucking beach. Let's go to the beach. <laughs> like we can relax. I'll be there with help with the kids, which we'll get to eventually. Was he really helping with the kids? <laughs> and no, not at all. <laughs> Trash. 
So um, like he goes to the beach. But that didn't really pan out. And the next day she come attempted to commit suicide by overdosing on pills. Yeah, so I think uh for contextual purposes. So he takes her to her parents' house, you know, because that's what you do. <laughs> like, she needs support. You bring them to people who support them. I mean. And so we had, she had those conversations. Like, mom, I'm feeling so overwhelmed. And Andrea's mom also says that, hey, Luke needs to be changed. And this this is what we're talking about with uh, Rusty being a neglectful father. And she, in, a, in a, an interview with ABC, says that that Rusty had said, oh, well, that'll be a first. I've never changed a diaper before, which is something strange to hear from a father of four kids. This right. is their fourth baby, and he's never changed a diaper. So that means when you're home, you don't even give her some relief. Right. And remember, she's going through depression. Like, so, normally, like, the father would come home, help out with the mom. That's the norm. Or, like, be the one to wake up at night every now and then. Right, you know, it's your to turn help. to get up type right. deal. And so, yeah, so she's even even there. So I'm sure that even at her mama's house, he was not helping. And so she does. She takes 40 of her father's uh, sedatives that he was prescribed. And uh, it's called uh, trazodone. trazodone. Um, and that's typically prescribed to treat depression, insomnia, uh, pain. And again, 40 of them. And the only reason that she was still alive is that her mother found her soon enough to take her to the hospital. Correct. And so these are, I don't know, man. These are things like... Like, I don't know. I just feel like these should be wake-up calls for a lot of people. But this talks to how Rusty, I don't think, was invested as much as he tried to play it as. Mm-hmm. Like, we see the interviews afterward. And right. After all these things come out, he has all the sympathy for you. He was talking to her, every, like, every I don't month. like Rusty. I, I, yeah. I, I started off as, like, I'm not trying to like, demonize just, him because he's no, not the villain here. No, but. But, like, he, there's, there's just factors in it. He wasn't. Sometimes, and, you know, even if you marry somebody with mental health, if you're not apt to dealing with somebody with mental health, you are better off leaving them in the care of their families, to be honest. You have to really realize who you are as a person. You know, you get with somebody, you may never know what happens. But if, I mean, if you're not even there as a father, True. how can you take care of a, a woman now who has mental health? And your job is not only to bring... <laughs> has mental health. Mental Everybody health. has mental health. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> mental health issues. So, like, your job is not only to take care of the children. You know, your husband, you have to also nurture your wife. There is some nurturing of your your wife right. you have to do, and but we, he kind of left her. And we realize also that she, I'm sure that she was almost incapable of doing the same to him, but I'm sure because of all these kids that he had no problem laying with her. Right. So, like, you can't... You took time out to do that. You can't... Oh, you took three minutes out of your day to, <laughs> to do this, and then all of a sudden you can't get up and change a diaper for her or ask her what she needs or what can I do to support You're you. You're just assuming that he's a three-minute man? I'm just assuming just because I feel like he... Anybody who like, is lazy like that is probably a lazy lover. Like, I have all these things in my head about what Rusty is, and it's so bad. But you're right. So she gets to the hospital and... You know, she gets treated, and they, when they're talking about postpartum depression even more, mm-hmm. and then they take it, to, they transfer it to the psychiatric unit because when you attempt suicide, you need to be put on watch. Yeah, but it's also during this time that they realize that people start objecting to the fact that they have four kids in a bus. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, "You need to get her out." Thank bus. God, yeah, thank God for professionals for adequate professionals because they're <laughs> right. like so what are these stressors in your life and she's like oh i don't have many of them i don't have many of them just a, just the kids and they're like so where do you live she's like um, bus 47 <laughs> <laughs> i bet you called it like, like a school bus <laughs> and they were like 
Oh, is that like a is that like the name of that where you named your home? Because you know, rich people sometimes name their houses. It's like, no, no, no. It's actually the bus forty seven. We drove that bitch here. Like, <laughs> it makes me so bad that. Right. <laughs> and so finally, like they, that's the situation that gets rectified. Is they actually move into a home? A home, right? <laughs> because of this, and she gets released to the, her family, her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, but they because they agreed to watch her around the clock. Right. Mother and mother and father said they would help out with this because obviously Dusty is the the breadwinner in this. Dusty. Rusty. Shit. He is dusty. That's what that is. Uh the bread wearing this. And that does this kind of period of calm doesn't last long because about a month later she tries to slit her throat. Right. And it was her husband that wrestled her down from trying to slit her throat. So um she goes back as um inpatient um in uh, Memorial Springs, Shadow Glen psychiatric treatment. That was a lot. Right, shout out to Texas. Everything's bigger in Texas. They even names. Release her and they give her Haldol. Now that's a, a really big antipsychotic med. Yeah, she was in like she was on that, she was on Zoloft. Mm-hmm. Um and then it was just she was in all these things, uh, yeah. and then they find out that she had been flushing her other meds too, and that's why she and had gotten, cheeking. What she was cheeking them also, so yeah. she was like hiding put, them, hiding them, and then throwing them away. You're using group home lingo. <laughs> Go ahead, work history, come through. <laughs> but no, she was she was hiding them. She wasn't taking them. Once she realized they were antipsychotics, right. like there's such a stigma around antipsychotics, especially like if. I don't want to. I don't want to keep demonizing Christianity either. But like, there are like religion. There's so much ass, so much emphasis put on the healing powers of God. And if I see, I'm a person who believes in God too. But I also do believe that God has created people with the minds that are scientific and are medical driven, medically driven, and right. went to school for this, who learn how to do things to help heal your body. Yeah. Like so, like <laughs> please no, do not think is God will always find a way out for people. You know, no matter what, no matter how long it takes. So these scientists and these medications are the way out. Right. It's, this is t- hundreds of years of medical research have right. taken us to the point that we are now. Thousands, technically. And you it guys are like, well, I'm just going to chalk it up to the game. It's not Christianity. It's really people. It doesn't matter what religion you If you're Christian, if you're, you're vapid and stupid, your Christianity is going to be <laughs> It could be Christianity. Look at Scientologists. Like, it's the same. We're not gonna, I don't want to talk about Scientologists. <laughs> they might come after us. <laughs> Uh, but while she was in this hospital in this day um her psychologist there at the hospital james p thompson was quoted saying that he had a fear that she had a fear that she would hurt somebody so she Mm -hmm. thought it would be better to end her own life and prevent it from happening right so like she she understands that she's having these kind of dangerous ideations she's having these these machinations are probably to harm somebody preferably her kids probably right um and i think this this is at the point where her postpartum depression turns to postpartum psychosis. Right. This is the diagnosis changes. Right. Whew. And I mean, this is this is a story I want to tell because it's relevant. I had a coworker mm-hmm. um at my last job, not my current job, who mm-hmm. I got really close to. Like I got I got her kid like Christmas gifts. Like mm-hmm. and I remember her we used to walk around on our lunch break because that's how it was like a new office park. So that's how we got our Fitbit steps in. Yeah. And we'd have such deep conversations and she would tell me like she's like, Am I crazy that and she's like that. I've looked at my son in the past, and I thought about like harming him, and I was like, not crazy, but that's not okay. Like what? Like what's? She's like, I don't know. Like sometimes, like I get so frustrated all the time, and I get so angry. Like his father's in and out, yada yada yada. And there are days where I just kind of want to like wring his neck, and I was like, that's not wrong. Like that's not terrible. It's terrible if you did it, right. but like. A lot of people have those thoughts, and I had like this is before I really had all the vocabulary to talk about this yeah. stuff. And so I was like, 
what you want to do is talk to somebody before something like that happens. Because <laughs> right. at some point, you're going to hit a breaking point, and you don't want to be that person who mutilates, harms their kid. And like postpartum uh, uh, psychosis comes with delusions and paranoia and hyperactivity, hallucinations. Like There's a lot of things that attribute that to that. So that's what my coworker was dealing with. Right. And she had been dealing with it for so long and didn't realize it. Right. She's like, that's what that is? And she went and got help, thank God. But okay. it was... It's one of those things that you have to really pay right. attention to. Right. So just to say that mental illnesses aren't the cause for becoming a criminal, but when they're neglected, when things aren't done correctly, when you have some family neglect uh-huh. um, on part of her husband, this is what happens. And, you know, speaking of family neglect, she's so basically she's in and out of hospitals, um, medications, doctors, she's going in and out. But at some point she seems to had stabilized a little bit. Now, her first psychiatrist, or was it psychi- yeah, psychiatrist, um, stated that she probably shouldn't have any more children. Yes. Let's point <laughs> that out right away. She's got four. They're like... She's got four. She's starting to stabilize. Right. They're like, okay, n- no more children at this point. You know... Kids are stressors. They, they trigger they're you. They're lovely, but they're stressors. Right. So just to be on the safe side, not to do it. But she starts to do well. And they decide to have another kid, and she goes off the Haldol. She goes off the medication, which I'm not sure if Haldol is one that you need to taper down. Yeah, uh, most most like antipsychotics right. you need to be weaned off of. You can't just stop taking them cold turkey. Don't think that happened. And no, she she had been <laughs> off it a year. Right. Um, before, when she gave birth to Mary, so it was like. But this is the thing, like. <sighs> This is where the family dysfunction comes into the crime, in my in my opinion, because yeah. her husband knew probably that there was, she shouldn't have children. Yeah, I'm, and I'm sure he realized and, she was symptomatic too. Like she should be back on the meds. Like all these things right, that right. it just it frustrates me. Like I I don't understand the lack of birth control. Well, you know, everybody has a choice. And some people want big families and some people don't. No, and I'm not going to shame people who do. But also, if you're having issues around kids and postpartum issues, you might want to stop and think about this it. Is, this is the part of this, too, where you're right, where, like, that Rusty might have an implication. because that, That's why I don't like him. <laughs> that his, her mother had said that he had told her that he wanted to have as many kids as possible. He wanted to have six boys and then a girl. And he had he got four boys and then, and then a girl. A girl so right. They wanted to keep going. Yeah, they, they wanted this... seven children eventually. Like, and first of all, people don't realize the trauma of childbirth and pregnancy. Like Absolutely. how that affects a woman's body. Women and, die still today of childbirth. Right. It's not something where that's old age or right. something. Serena Williams, probably the best athlete on the planet, next to LeBron James. Best physical better, shape. Probably in great physical shape, great health. Almost died right during pregnancy. And it's partially because, well, specifically black women are more likely to yeah, die yeah. during pregnancy because doctors don't believe them when they say things like they're in pain. And that goes back to like Thomas Jefferson-esque times where people believe that black people could handle more pain than other right. people. And that's hence just justified barbarian I know, behavior. I've been reading up on it because I'm coming up on that age where I'm thinking about children. I'm like, Ugh, Yeah, child. childbirth is... <laughs> um, I Again, I've witnessed childbirth. My sister gave mm-hmm. birth to my niece. Um, <laughs> and it is not pretty to be in the... Like, it's just not smart um, for me to be there. <laughs> but you're right. So she had been off the medication for a year, and she had baby Mary, a beautiful baby Mary. But that's when her psychosis returned. Right. She's- and came back 
hard. She started mutilating herself, reading the Bible feverishly. Stop um, hyperactivity. There it is. Right. Stop feeding Mary. Mary, I became sick, I believe, because of this. So stuff started to go really bad. Yeah, and at one point, uh, Rusty has Andrea sign herself into a state hospital. Um, not a state hospital, I'm sorry, a private hospital, Devereaux. And she's in this. Um, I don't know, I just, it's like, you obviously can tell that your wife is not functioning. No. And I don't know how to, how to, how to deal with, I don't, I wouldn't know how to deal if my partner was having that, these issues. And then she ends up being removed from this hospital because of insurance limitations. Right. So like, it's, had she gone to a state hospital, she would have been fine. Right. That's where she. That's where she thought about going. Right. Which is that Andrea. <laughs> this is why. I, like it's just. So this is why I have. Pro- I have tons yeah. of problems with Rusty. There are there are times people, of self awareness. There are there are loose there are lucid moments for her. Right. And when she does make the good right choice, he's like, "No, let's go to Devereaux. Mm-hmm. and it's for what. Mm-hmm. So he's back in her care. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just it's just oh man, I'm tired of him. Now, the psychiatrist at this point had stated that she should not be left on her own upon discharge. She needed to have 24-hour care. Right. Um, she shouldn't be left alone. She shouldn't be left alone with the children because, you know, she was. this was an early discharge. And that is, it was early discharge specifically because of insurance, like plan, health plan limitations. And that's the problem. Mm-hmm. It's like, had she stayed in this hospital and she, or had she gone to a state hospital and been admitted there. Right. I'm going to say that the, there's a likelihood that these killings would not have happened. Correct. Because she would have been taken care of. And there are a lot of things that, that kind of inform Andrea's mental health. Um, her siblings say things like, oh, it runs in the family. Alcoholism is present in the right. family. Like, there are a lot of things that were working against her. Right. Um, that kind of, like, put her at this, I don't want to say disadvantage, but... Like make her more susceptible to it these things. It was the family dysfunction. It was yeah. really a lot of family dysfunction that enabled her to get to this point. I mean, part of it was her actions, part of it was the mental illness, and part of it was the family dysfunction. I still don't like Rusty. No. I still, really. I really do. Like, I really have a problem with him. And I just think people, some, there are some people out there that cannot deal with somebody who has mental health issues. And And he knew that when he met her, that she was dealing with deep depression from a breakup. So there's... Right. So I deeply believe that he needed to release her to her family's care. I think she was safer. Um, Her family, though, especially her parents, her dad was older, too. So we forgot to mention, she's not even... She was not only at the time taking care of her children, she was taking care of her father who passed away. Hmm. So that's another factor where she didn't need to be thinking. And I'm just like, that's what I'm saying. Rusty, in a way... Like she's taking care of her dad too, and he's just not there. Yeah, I don't know what Rusty's problem is. I really don't. Like, there are some people I even know to capacity that I can't probably not spend the rest of my life with somebody with some severe mental issues. Or if I do, I'm gonna need a lot of assistance. Oh, uh, we all need a lot of assistance. And I don't think Rusty should have 
stayed around at all. I think he did more damage. Well, I think, yeah, I don't think Rusty was good for her. Um, I don't think he was a supportive partner. Or at least um, you should have protected your kids. I think that when you start thinking about family values, and this is where mm-hmm. values and beliefs start playing roles, like where you come from, they mm-hmm. come from a, cla- a Catholic family. And mm-hmm. I'm going to say in the scope of Christianity, because Catholicism, they, they're very closely related. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things that happen in these big families that stay close to the chest, where you don't want people to know these issues. You don't get divorced. Mm-hmm. You know, co-parenting, what the hell does that look like in Texas, you know, in the 90s? Right. Um, so it's like all these things that that have happened to her and that are happening. I think he was just being selfish about his own image. He's got this great job. He's got this big family, all the things that a Catholic man is supposed to do, mm-hmm. you know, and he's not going to lose that. Because once you lose that, what's your identifier? Well, so it's he a, ended I mean, up losing it anyway. He did end up losing it. And then, he, so we ha- we hit a point where now Andrea believes that Satan mm-hmm. has kind of taken over control of her body. Right. And it's it's sad. Like, I, I always feel really sad reading things like that because, like, the ramp-ups, man. Like, there's yeah. so many. If you catch things early enough, you know, right. if you just get things, treatment, like, there's the delusions are the things that get you. And, like, all these secrets... Again, all the things they kept close and close to home, not telling people what's going on, not saying what things were, what's wrong when they were started happening. Again, secrets will make you sick and nobody believes me. <laughs> so, so yeah, so he starts, she start really starts thinking that Satan has taken over her body and had damaged her children in some way. Right. They weren't behaving. Right. Now, in hindsight, they were doing everything that kids that kids seven and under do, do, that toddlers do. They were mostly toddler age with exception for um Mary, so they're basically normal kids. Yeah. So she said that they're out of control. She recognized that she was out of control, but disassociating that and blaming Satan is another mm-hmm. aspect of this disassociation. Mm-hmm. And so she believed that because of all this all this drama, all this, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Chaos. That if she was to kill her children, mm-hmm. that they would go to paradise. Mm-hmm. And she also believed, weirdly, that George Bush, who was governor of Texas, or she thought was governor of Texas at this point, um, would make sure that she was executed. So that because she couldn't do it, that Texas would make sure it was done. Right. And that is dark. Right. Um, and so that's, that's the mind state that she was in. Right. And that's what brings us to that early morning mm-hmm. of June 20th, 1991, when Rusty leaves for work. Mm-hmm. And this is the moment she breaks. Right. Um, there was no, there's no real talk of whether or not she had been actively taking her medication and the tox screens and things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of how long things stay in your system, it's a, it's a, it's especially in the nineties, complicated science. Right. Um, nineties, two thousand, early two thousands, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to meds. So a lot of you guys might be wondering what happened in the home if you stayed with us this long. <laughs> you did. I'm sure you did. Mm-hmm. But so once Rusty had left, she essentially fed, started feeding her kids breakfast and then she decided to go upstairs and run a bath. Nice. So she does this and while her children are eating, she calls Paul and leads Paul to the bathtub. Holds him underwater until he stops just struggling. And then she takes him, places him on the bed, tucks him into the bed, places his head like on a pillow. On a pillow. As if he's sleeping. Mm-hmm. She follows suit uh, with two-year-old Luke. Meets the same end as his older brother. Placed next to him on the bed. Uh, five-year-old John subsequently drowned um, as well and laid next to his siblings. Mm-hmm. 
And at this point, she goes down and gets Mary. Mary. Who is, at this point, just uh, kind of feeding on a little bottle, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I love little babies, yeah, so it makes me sad so. to say this out loud. Yeah. But she goes and she holds her six-month-old baby under the water, mm-hmm. killing her six-month-old baby. And she, t- and it's at this point where Mary is floating in the tub mm-hmm. that Noah comes in and Noah when you hit seven years old you like kind of, you start realizing yeah. when your parents are off and like when when they're hiding things from you so he comes in asking what's wrong with Mary because she's just floating in the on bathtub top of the water and once he realizes that holy shit something's wrong he books it he takes off yeah. and Angie chases him so let's let's talk about the fact that how the the amount of like the the emotion that goes into one killing one child one child and what it takes to do that then to subsequently do it three more times. And nothing is happening. And nothing's no nothing awakening. You know, there's so, nothing. Yeah. So there's she is no gone moment. at this point. Like she is out of it. Now she, this one kid is running. There's another chance. And running. And like not only like does she realize, what am I doing? Pursues him. Right. Chases him, catches him, drags him. She uh okay. reports say that he was the only one that really put up a fight to get to the tub because he knew what was happening. Right. And seven year olds are strong. Like I don't know if you guys have ever like played fight mm-hmm. play fought with a seven year old mm-hmm. or like tried to hold them. Like they kick and they, they they're not they are some. You're not that little... self aware of their body and right. their strength is. So, so they just swing themselves. Yeah. And so he, she grabs him and <laughs> puts her puts him in the bathtub. While his baby sister is still floating in it. Right. Leaves Noah in the bathtub, takes Mary and places Mary in John's arm in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. And that's the moment where she makes the 911 call. All this was happening in the hour that between was, the time her mom was supposed to show up. Right. It was just an hour. So, like, this is what happened. This is the break. Yeah. And it's sad, guys. <laughs> it's like, awful. I know. And. Um, but it is, this is what happens. This is, I, and this is why we decided to wait till the end to share the details mm-hmm. of the killings because we need to map there, out how we got here. There was a lot of chances for this not to happen. And right. that's why we, I mean, this is like, we could talk about the parallel to Michelle. That's where I wanted to exactly. go next with it. I think it's time to just discuss. Our first case ever. Yes. If you were here with us from the very beginning, <laughs> and if you're not, you could go back. We, our first case was a similar case where a mother, uh, killed her two children and put the, them in, and Steven. Yeah. So, yeah. And put them in a freezer. And it was funny because as I'm researching this case and I'm going to speak as a researcher for both cases, um, I noticed that and it really aggravated me that we had so much detail about Angia and her background and her struggle with mental health. The fact that she even got mental health assistance. Right. And, and had a lot, access. A lot of it. And a lot of it. And remember, in the beginning of the intro, you remember? We talked about this neighborhood that's wealthy. Right. This you very know? idyllic paradise. Like, NASA. There's money, a, there's money flowing through. This, is, this, again, right. this was a master planning thing. So there's money flowing through this. Because this was planned. Yes. To plant, be planted here because NASA. Right. This town, yeah, this is town for like NASA people, and it was a planned town. So there, it's a wealthy town. And then we draw the parallel to Michelle, where upon research, I know nothing of her childhood except that she was in the system, that she was in foster care. And I think that, I think unfortunately, like I think uh, a lot of us don't want to talk about um, the factors that ha- caused this dichotomy 
um, how these things are two wildly separate things. Mm-hmm. And we talk about Michelle. She's in Detroit, Michigan. Right. In low-income housing. Mm-hmm. Um, kids who should who were in the fucking system and social workers failed. Like, with very little access to things. If you're looking through government-funded programs, you're not going to get the help you always need. Right. Especially if no one's harping on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that researchers, investigators could care less. Right. About why she killed her kids. Because, so we didn't even have access. Yeah. They went right away to criminalizing her. And because of that, mm-hmm. we only had her words right. for what happened in the house. Right. And that's enough to confess. Like, yes, I did it. But, and to give details that only the killer would know. Right. But I think that we, like, we owe it to the rest of the people who are out here who are struggling with mental health, right. who are looking to get get treatment, mm-hmm. become self-sufficient, functional, mm-hmm. um, and manage these things, to look into these things. And what are the factors that, that, that exacerbate these symptoms? Mm-hmm. Like, and obviously she was not well and she was poor and stressed out and she had mm-hmm. kids, had to feed them. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about how their, her apartment was gross and like these, all these things that go into feeding mental, me feeding mental illness. And then we get Andrea, mm-hmm. who's again, all this information about her childhood. And, you know, again, we talked about how Rusty was a piece of shit, how we knew what right. a factor was. And right. Like, it's um, just, we, we discussed that she had even access to hospitals with hospital choices. And, uh, let's um, talk about choices. Several psychiatrists, medication, you know, it, it shows you, it wasn't really, I mean, in both cases it had really bad circumstances at the end, but, the, and it shows that mental health really doesn't, affect one more than the other it shows i mean in both i mean i don't even know how to say it in both cases it could have been stopped right i think but it's, it's she all about had how more yeah it's all about how mental health is seen right and through what lens it's seen and that's i mean we, t- we could talk about again black folks and yeah. our own approach to mental health because it is terrible yes like black means do not want to talk about mental health if yeah. you see kids who are acting out those kids are just bad as hell yeah you see uh someone acting crazy in the street it's because they're just out of their mind you know that's just them they touched mm-hmm. like no sis no i mean there is definitely <laughs> like a not- cultural thing yeah. aspect to it but you know, I think access that was yeah, a big I deal. think access is a big deal. It's our attitudes towards mental health. I think that I don't think it's obvious and it's very statistically proven that white people, especially wealthier white folks, have kind of healthier attitudes towards mental health. Yeah, and our like, younger black people have healthy attitudes towards mental right. health. Right, we're getting a little we'll, bit more we'll awake get there. to it. But like, so that why that's when we look at Andrea. Everyone's reacting like, okay, she so she she is depressed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so she you know she is psychotic right now, or mm-hmm. she's you know she needs to be medicated. When they looked at Michelle, Michelle was just a terrible. We mom. never got any instances. Right, she was just of, bad at it. She's a she's, terrible person. Like all these things. Yes, and it's just the coloring even of the, the coloring and how they <laughs> coloring. No, how they colored her in the media, right. and they put Michelle screaming and yelling and. You know, and it's funny because they actually put Andrea on medication before they had her in court like that. Right. And Michelle was there, probably not even getting anything not that med- she needed. She definitely wasn't. Medicated. And we added the clip, I believe, of her like screaming and yelling and going on. I think on. that we we shared the links. I don't know okay. If we put it in the show. Yeah. So, but you know, if you guys want to go, you guys could look it up. How in this is 2015, you guys, Michelle is later than Andrea. Right. So you would think by now we would have more information of these people who have, you know, lower class like issues, socioeconomic issue also need treatment too. You would think we'd be more advanced to knowing like we need to really take care of the whole person, not just, you know, 
have them have food stamps, have them have all these things. They need to have access to everything and all the care, but we don't. We did not. We ignored that from Michelle, and then we demonized her on the media, which kills me because Andrea and all her little court pictures was her sitting calmly. Calmly in her nice clothes. The only time you got emotion was when they, when they, um, verdict. verdict. And the only thing, every time you saw Michelle in court, she was in a jumpsuit. Jumpsuit like, and screaming. Exactly. So, I mean, there are, there are ways there, that things like happen. And obviously, there are access issues. There are socioeconomic factors. That we know who's more likely to be low income. And like, you think we would have progressed. Possibly. And I, I agree <laughs> with what you said just at the end of that is how you have to deal with, you have to really treat the whole person. And I think that... Oh, that's something I hate about the whole system. Because, well, the point of the system, and I think a lot of people don't understand this, is that the point of the system is to bring somebody up to the point of self-sufficiency. Right. And that way they can be there. The point of the system is, like, in order to do that, you can provide them food and housing vouchers and all that stuff, so now they're saving money. Mm -hmm. What's the point of saving money and be able to earn more money if you're not mentally ill? You're missing days from work because... You can't maintain it. Yeah. You don't Mm -hmm. have the skills, like... This is actually so funny because we talk about this a lot in like our culture coming from the Caribbean. Like sometimes coming in as an immigrant, we need this help. We need welfare, but we never look at it as something permanent. But they make it here where you have to stay on it. We, you have to stay on it because they're not giving you the whole person care that they're supposed to. So, you know, it's unfortunate. I mean, yeah, I agree with part of that. But (laughs) it's like, I'm not going to get into it. It's not the time. But. No, you're right. It, it is it, the system. Unfortunately, the system, is a I think, cycle. Really tries to pull people back. No, because well, the, I don't think the, the system again. It works half the way. It does half the work, mm-hmm. and then okay, so pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's like okay, like I got a bus pass, right. but what about childcare? I can't right. work full time if I don't have childcare. Like, well, you gotta suck that up. You ain't got no family members. Like, you can't help me. Well, there's a waiting list, and it's like so. There's all these things that happen. Yep. But that is um, essentially <laughs> uh, the distinction we were drawing between these two things. It was aggravating, you guys. It really was. Um, but yeah. I mean, to conclude. To conclude, she ends up going to court. Mm-hmm. And quite obviously, guys, she uh, she puts in a, a defense that she's not guilty by reason of insanity. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I had someone tweet me something because I had mentioned somebody was... Um, not guilty. And they're like, no, there's no way they're innocent. There's a strong difference mm-hmm. um, between being innocent and not guilty. Not guilty right. means legally they can't prove <laughs> that right. beyond a shadow of a doubt that you did do such a thing. Right. Innocence is that you actually did, did nothing. Did, so yeah. like that is, those are two separate things. Right. Um, so yeah, so February 18th in 2002, her trial begins. You know, she says, there's they they even throw they even threw out a Law and Order like chat it was yeah. like all these things like all these she saw it and she saw it in the episode of Law and Order something informed like and then mm-hmm. <laughs> the producers were like actually uh, we've never had an episode we like didn't that do it yet. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure that they probably do now right right it's... yeah they did say afterwards they did have an right. episode and then so in March 12 she gets convicted of two counts of capital murder and the deaths of Noah John and Mary. Um, she wasn't tried in the deaths of Paul and Luke, and she was sentenced to life in prison. Mm-hmm. Now, after she gets to prison, things start to kind of ramp up for her again mm-hmm. because she gets placed on suicide watch. She refuses to eat, right. and then that causes it happens again where she refuses to eat. She ends up getting hospitalized. Like, there's a lot of things that keep going, going in here. Right. And what's funny is that there's an appeal now. Right. Her attorney, George Parnum, files an appeal. And the first court of appeals reverses her capital murder conviction, saying that the testimony of Park uh, Diaz, who's one of the psychiatrists who testified, 
may have made made the jury prejudiced. Right. And facts, whatever. Right. And so she pleads not guilty when they during the retrial uh, by reason of insanity. Mm-hmm. And they say okay. And it's it's funny to me that she gets out on bail. Mm-hmm. Um, she like she gets uh, committed to this hospital. Hospital again, and it's just like what is happening? Mm-hmm. Like they're just <laughs> she still did such a thing. Like I get mm-hmm. that she they committed to her hospital. Like they were they yeah. were like keep her locked up. And the retrial begins, and then she's found not guilty by reason of insanity, mm-hmm. um, and she's ordered to a mental hospital. Mm-hmm. So she gets transferred to Kerrville State Hospital uh, from North Texas State Hospital, and that is where she is now. She's currently in Kerrville State Hospital in Kerrville, Texas. Um, Since Rusty left, he divorced her. Um, he actually got remarried, and they got divorced again. He had one other child. Yeah, I think uh, as of like 2016. So right 20, now, like 15 or something. Yeah, I was thinking right now that child's like 11. Yeah. Um, but again, divorced, and I'm not saying what it is, but it's probably because he's probably he's a still terrible, should be like, husband. I right. mean, I mean. <laughs> but the, the fucked up part was that he actually says that he stayed in touch with Andrea. Like when all these things went down, when the murders happened and everything, he was very. Mm-hmm. And like sympathetic towards her, mm-hmm. um, he spoke the way he spoke to the media. He was like, you know, I love her. Like she's ill. All these things, making not making excuses, but mm-hmm. giving letting letting the media know that he did care about her right. in a way. And he visited her every month, um, or maybe I think he called her every month and I, visited her every six. I'm not saying he didn't care, but he wasn't adapt to be a father and a husband. He wasn't like I, I think, really don't think he would well, make a you, good father. Husband. You ask me, most men aren't. But yeah, it's just one of those things, man. He is just, I don't want to, like, as I'm not blaming Rusty, it's definitely Andrea's fault. Oh, yeah. Andrea did the crime. I mean, she, and I hope that you guys, like, real, like, I'm, what we're trying to do here is not justify things, but just understand that these things could be avoided. No. um, And that's all it is. I'm going to talk about it more, but we're just saying that, you know, I'm not, I'm trying to point out mental health is not, like, mental illness is not a reason why. People commit crimes. Right. And it it's, also there's other factors, you. right? It doesn't absolve you, but you know, it's not. But the only some reason. people are like some people are so mentally ill that they do. And our goal here is to let you guys know, like I manage depression, like I have PTSD, like essentially I'm mentally ill, mm-hmm. you know. But I manage it, and that's through therapy, that's through medications, that's through support, like adequate support systems. And I know a lot of people who are mentally ill, like my right. brother. I could tell you guys, he's schizoaffective, and. Mm-hmm. Had like lives his life mostly without being violent. Mm-hmm. You know, no, you like, couldn't manage. He's just a, it's just the environment he's in. Right, and it was huge. Is that he's want to violence? Like, if you hang out with a whole bunch of people who are drunk all the time, things like that. Right. So that's but, another thing. Like your friend groups are a exactly. factor when we go into criminology. When I go into it more in other cases, but there are different factors, not just mental health, that trigger certain things. Yeah. The mental health can be there. But it still has a trigger, and you it can trigger mental health. Mental and like mental health is, is like everyone. <laughs> well, you know, the mental health issues can the illness, be yeah. there, but it could happen with a a person with you know who's healthy as far as mental illnesses. They have the same factors that could lead them into crime as well. And those and those things can lead to mental illness. So like there there are all things that happen. Like my point always is that the majority of mentally ill people are not out here out here killing people. Right. And that's what our thing is that there there are things like there's no shame in going to get treated. If you find yourself feeling depressed, anxious, um, like you're hallucinating, whether that be like auditory or not, all those things. We you feel yourself being ma- hyperactive, like manic and out of control, compulsive. Like, go talk to somebody about it. There's nothing, there's, 
there's nothing wrong with going to get help no. is all the point is like i know there's a little bit of shame in it you think that you're not normal and you, the point is that nobody fucking is so go there are some people out there help. that you deal with every day that you don't even know anything is going on because right. you just have it managed and they they're fine right i mean but just like i said go get help mm-hmm. um, don't keep things to yourself because what do you... secrets make you sick it's going on the shirt today <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's Andrea Yates, and it's exhausting. Yeah, it was a lot to think about. It was more thinking than uh, eating yeah. eating people. I and... can't wait to go back to blood and guts. This Why is, are you doing this to me? Uh, it's too much for me. This, <laughs> no, no, it was a great case. Right. Like, and I, I think I like how it ties into our first one. Right, I was very like when we when you gave me the case, I was like, oh, there's not enough like murder in it. Like, <laughs> what are we gonna talk about? Like, that's not like I get the mental health part of it. And then I once I really started like reading all the articles and watching the die, I was like, oh, <laughs> was like, <laughs> it was loaded. There's a lot of happening here. Like, what? Did, yeah. Like this woman was like, she had a lot going on. But yeah. D, where can people find you in the timelines if they were looking for you? That's D underscore Light Four. That's D E E underscore L I G H T Four on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. For me, I'm Charnel B. It's in the show notes. I'm probably not going to keep spelling it. Um, <laughs> guys, find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at What Did You Do Pod. Like us on Facebook. Go to our website. Let me finish. I was oh, halfway damn. through. Miami, can I participate? You can do it after. <laughs> like us on Facebook. It's facebook.com backslash What Did You Do Podcast. Now, what else? D, I'm sorry. Never mind. I won't do it anymore. Okay, check out our Patreon. <laughs> Um, check that out. Check out our T Public store. Get some merch if you like us. Um, and you know, don't forget to rate us on iTunes, guys. Uh, five stars or however you're feeling. No it, five stars, thanks. Right. It helps. It helps get the word out about us. You know, we we are grassroots, but we also love doing what we're doing. This is a labor of love, and I think that a lot of people can benefit from these conversations. Yeah, make it worth the time that Charnel has to put up with me. <laughs> Just it's always worth the time. If no one else, if ten people listen to this an episode, I would be fine. I mean, but you have to put up with me, and that was the whole point yeah. of that. Either way, guys. Until next time. Take care of yourselves, make good choices, all that stuff. Keep your hands clean. Go get help. Yes, help. Bye-bye.